follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. And gentlemen, this is Vince McMahon. You're here for a great show. It's going to be so you. And if you're worried about content or if you're worried about language, you may not want to listen because this show, it's got good shit in it. Well, I'm uh, glad we got that out of the way. First thing. <laughs> it's good shit. We, this is Shad here with Matt and Brad for the Four Corners Podcast. If you don't know what that joke is, trust me, we'll tell you. If you're already tired of that joke, I'm sorry. I can't stop myself. So, <laughs> guys, how are you doing? Uh, good. Yeah, I'm uh, doing good. All right, excellent. Excellent. I was resisting the urge to do this whole scripted out thing about, about telling... Uh, Telling Matt, you you need to go to a live event, and Brad say something about Japanese wrestling because it's so you. But I decided not to keep doing that voice. Um, we you, are. You kind of had a Richard Nixon thing going on with that I, Vince McMahon. It did. It, it yeah. did. I know. It. I didn't intend for it to, but it got that way. <laughs> Hopefully, that's funny too. Anyway, if you're with us, uh, we are glad you are listening to us. If you're listening to us because you just picked us up, we're glad you're listening to us. If you're listening to us because you've been listening to us for a long time, thank you. We're glad you're listening to us. Uh, if you're listening to us because this is a pity listen and you know you know us outside of the podcast, you know what? We're glad you're listening to. Um, we're going to have a good show tonight. There's been a lot going on, and um, we got to get a few things out of the way first. First thing we want to do is uh, we want to... Let you all know that we are affiliates with Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. CollarXElbow.com. Get good quality wrestling gear there. And if you use the promo code Four Corners Podcast, that's the number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast, no spaces, you can get 10% off your order. And guys, do you know why you should go get stuff from Collar and Elbow? I don't know why. Because it's good shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was um, trying to do that super scripted like infomercial. Like, <laughs> I don't know a person I've never met before. Why? But wait, there's more. Yes. Uh, no, please tell me about Collar and Elbow. Yes, please tell <laughs> oh, me a person that broke they... into my house and is pointing a gun at me right now. Yeah, and then I turn to the camera with the dead eyes and say, well, they have, they have very good, comfortable shirts and attire. It happens to be good shit. Um, and then we've got, uh, we've got a couple of announcements. Uh, Brad, go ahead. Okay. So next week, uh, I know we promised this a while ago, but, um, we've had some busy personal lives next week. We are going to start our series on the mega powers. Ooh, yeah. So if 
you have any thoughts or comments, go ahead and tweet them to Matt or, you know, interact with anything else as far as that goes, where you can find us. Uh, we will read those on the air for episode three. Like, I already have a couple. And um, feel free to throw out as many jealous eyes comments as you'd like. <laughs> so then secondly, yeah. uh, for our second announcement, and we're going to break the fourth wall a little bit on this one. Um, you can now find us on Patreon as the Four Corners podcast. It's just um, patreon.com slash Four Corners podcast is a single word. There are two tiers. There's just a dollar, which if you, if you give any amount, we will give you a thank you on the air. And then there's a $5 amount where I'm putting up right now. I'm putting up some old episodes from our previous podcast. Uh, right now you can get the first part of Shad's original wrestling career interview. And there will be some show interviews later that I'll put up over time goes. So really like, I just want to tell you why we're doing this. Um, I think I can speak for Shad and Matt when I say we all really love doing this and um, we'd honestly do it if no one listened and we just do it because we like hanging out. So it's not really, I would really just like this to be something like where we can just pay for the hosting and maybe get like a website and maybe like cover our like WWE network subscriptions. Like none of us are looking to get rich. We just... We love doing this, and it would be nice if we had to invest a little less because I know each of us has put some amount of financial investment into doing this show. Well, so, speak, speak for yourself, Brad. I'm all about bilking our listeners out of every dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if, uh, we no, get, I, if we get rich doing this, then we'll all go to more events yes, live, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. There, there's the super secret $500 option where... Matt will send you his miracle tonic, which is just his bathwater. But yes, <laughs> it's like that. What was that episode of The Simpsons where um, Grandpa Simpson is? What was he making in a, He was making some sort of uh, snake oil yeah. in the bathtub. Yeah, he was. Oh, that. What, what, damn it! Now I'm gonna have to think about that. I, it was just like cornstarch and like water. I think though. But just to say, um, yeah, we do this because we enjoy doing it. Like Brad said, we do it if no one listens. Probably like the first two months of us doing this. But we enjoy doing it. We hope you all enjoy uh, listening to us. And, um, you know, if you would like to donate something our way, we would love that. And um, I, I tell you what I'll do is I if 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 you if you do say if you throw uh, something our way, I'll even do a really bad impression for you. Oh, I shouldn't say that. They may not donate now. Um, we'll figure out something special. Uh, but what right. will happen is, is if we get a few, if we get a few people donating in on the $5 level, we will start doing some, we'll probably start doing a monthly bonus show. We haven't kind of figured that out yet. I'm thinking we might do something like Memphis TV episodes down the road. But, um, like I said, if, if you want to donate, that's great. And if you don't, we won't call you a cheap fuck, even though you're probably a cheap fuck. Well, not everybody necessarily, but... No. We, yeah. Not everybody, yeah. but you. The person that's listening <laughs> right now, you. Okay. Um, so, with that being said, there's something out there 
there's something that is so very much <clears throat> specific to a particular person. Who would that be for, Matt? Uh, that would be to Epico Cologne. Yep. It's uh, number one shout out. Um, hopefully one day they'll show up again on WWE TV. Yes. Maybe I, maybe the wild card rule will finally apply to Epico. When someone posted that, when the last like, so did you guys read that Reddit thread about like the fifty six wrestlers that hadn't appeared on TV in two weeks? I heard about it. I don't think there I were there it. were no there were an array of them that hadn't showed up in something like forty weeks on TV. I think I um I immediately went to the Epico spot on the list and they haven't appeared on tv since november that's that's a that's a shame that's honestly a crying shame well what i don't understand about that list is the war raiders were like had it hadn't been on tv in three weeks they just debuted why aren't they on tv look i know why because they need more shane mcmahon and roman reigns all over tv well here's the thing why are you bringing people up from why are you bringing people up from, like, NXT if you're not going to do anything with them? Yeah, I don't get it. So, you know... But if you look, though, they're only having, like... I think Raw, like, last week only had three matches for a three-hour yeah. show. Um, Melcher made a post not long ago. or I think I saw it earlier today. He didn't make a post, but he said it on... The oh, Observer Radio. I'm not going to say it's as bad as WCW, but it's WCW, that one. Yeah, he said, I'm not going to say it's as bad as WCW, because these last three weeks have been WCW, where nothing has happened. You know what? I think someone said that the 90-minute Hulu version of Raw had a grand total of 10 minutes of wrestling on it. I think he said it wow. didn't even have 10 minutes. Something like that. But, but I mean, I mean, Ricochet and Cesaro have wrestled like three or four weeks in a row now. Yeah, I mean they're doing cool stuff. Yeah, but like you don't want to see that every week, and it's meaningless. I, I don't know. It's it's we're we're at this place right now where the problem that I I'm gonna have is we're sitting here and. Um, we're like, oh, I can't believe they're doing this over here. And then we look over and we're like, I wonder when that show on TNT is supposed to start. Yeah, seriously. Because, look, it's not like I expect it to be perfect, but I'm going to be honest with you. I I am excited for the potential change. You just want easy access like on TV, like wrestling that's not. I want, I want an alternative. That's that's really what I want is I want an alternative and if 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 AEW provides a good alternative I am thrilled. This is actually going to lead us into I think the first topic we were going to talk about tonight. Um, can, can there we get was one, can we get one thing out of the way with the yeah, um, go. with this? Okay, if if you've been reading online and you read the comment about what they supposedly wanted him to say. That's really bad and sounds really bad. Jericho has disputed that that's what it was. Just so if you haven't seen that part of the story. That's true. That's true. Yeah, he he did dispute that. Um, and well, did he dispute exactly what was said or just the fact that he allegedly is the one who was sharing it or both? I think he dispute. Oh, I think he's disputing that that was what the phrase was. Yeah, mm. it, it was it was a little bit vague, but that's that's what I got from reading it. 
Yeah. I'm guessing it might be something similar to that, but that's not the exact wording. And right. It's probably making it worse than um, it was. Like, it looks like it looks like it might have started as something similar for that, but whoever got it is getting it, like, fifth hand, and it's played telephone and gotten more right. severe. Right. So, for some background, um, there are those of you out there that have not, that may not know what we're talking about. This last in the last week or so, uh, Chris Jericho had an episode of Talk is Jericho that went for about 120 minutes having a sit-down with John Moxley. That's right, Shad. And let me tell you about Omaha Steaks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Damn it. I was going to make that joke. Well, we're not. No, 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 no. Guys, look. I know we just set up a Patreon, but we are not cheap dates. We are not talking about Omaha Steaks until they start paying us. I just like to think that Matt and I are sitting here with like a gleam in our eyes waiting to pounce on that. Like you're I was. I was waiting for that. You stole my thunder. <laughs> I'm sorry. Matt, you can get the next one. Because yeah, there will the be a next one, won't there? Yeah. Yeah. So he had an interview with John Moxley in, in John Moxley's like own kitchen. At John Moxley's kitchen table, because Moxley's house is in uh, in Las Vegas, and he sat down with him and he said, "Listen, why don't you why don't you tell us about um, you know how things are for you now?" And to John's credit, the first thing he said is, "Look, I did a lot of growing up there. I learned a lot there. You know, I met my wife there. He, he, you know, he he said some." He said some nice things, and he then liked doing the Make a Wish stuff too. Oh yeah, he loved doing the Make a Wish stuff. Um, he said, "I wouldn't have had that opportunity without working there." That's and that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that there's some positive stuff to be said. And he says, "Now for the next ninety minutes, we're going to bury the company." And boy, did he! Right. So, I think what jumped out at me the most is how exhausting. Well, there's two things. How exhausting it was. It must have been. And the fact that he said it literally made him sick to go to work on Monday. Yeah, he said he had like a just basically he started getting like a pit in his stomach. Mm -hmm. Just just was like not looking forward to going there. Didn't want to be there. Started having anxiety about it, basically. Yeah, yeah. And from the other things he described, it sounded like he was having... um, stress-related or uh, stress-induced depression from it. I I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to do that. I didn't... The biggest thing that he seemed to say is going through all of this took away my my desire to do the only thing I ever really wanted to do in my life. You know what's funny about that is um, if you read some of the stuff Dustin said on the panels at StarCast, like... He didn't outright say it, but he kind of tiptoed around like the same feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what I get out of just just to kind of set it up. Um, we'll go into some, some more specifics in a little bit, but the biggest thing that seemed to be uh, part of this is the fact that, well, the wrestlers don't do much except for what you see on screen and that's how they want it around and and i think moxley said it was somewhere around 2002 
Vince set up this structure around himself with the creative and the writers and all that kind of thing to where everything uh, had to go through him. And there's there's no... Um, there's no flexibility. There's no room to breathe. Um, what, what, you know, you can, you can flip out and go off script, but what's going to happen, you're going to get somebody else fired by doing that. So, um, that's the thing that really, that really bothers me is you have a lot of guys who are aren't running a, around trying to get pooper scooper taken out of their promo before. Yeah. Oh God. It. Yeah. They're trying to get stuff like that either taken out or they're trying to find a way to, and this really throws the whole idea of of grabbing the brass ring, really throws shade on that because like how in the hell are you supposed to do that if you can't even talk like yourself if you have to do everything as it's on the script handed to you and I think there's there's what like there's maybe like three or four people or groups of people that can get away with it like the new day can get away with it. Well, that's because um, that came out this week, too. Well, no, that's an older story about how pretty much Xavier Woods said, like, I will get this over in four weeks if you, or you can fire me. Yeah, something like that. And he and they did um, from the time he said it. Not, you know, it, it took a little more. Um, it, it uh, you know, because initially, whenever the New Day got started, it wasn't a... Um, you know, they weren't what you see now. Uh, Bray Wyatt's another one who's part of it. And there's someone else I'm for. The idea is you just got to go and you got to grab the brass ring and do your own thing and get it over. And, you know, the only people that can really write their own stuff with any measure of freedom are the New Day, like we said. Bray Wyatt, because Vince doesn't get the gimmick, which explains so much of the booking about it. Um, John Cena, because what are you going to do, John Cena? You're going to fire John Cena? John Cena will just go somewhere else and still be John Cena because it's his real name. Well, the the sad thing, too, is it seemed like Dean had a... Even Dean seemed to have a lar- larger leeway because he was willing to say, no, fuck you, I'm not doing it, which Vince respects. So I think he even got more input than, like, the average wrestler. I think he got more input because he just... He would just push back. But there are guys who are concerned not only about themselves, but they don't want to get writers fired and stuff, right? Yeah. Like, uh, like the the one guy that they were going to fire with the Hall of Fame thing who quit instead, something like that. Or there have yeah. been some incidences of yeah, R.D. Evans who made the uh, what was his mortal sin that he mentioned Vince in the yeah he wrote yeah. for after DX did it like a hundred times or something like that. Yeah, R.D. Evans, uh, also known as Archibald Peck. He's from awesome. Jakar. Yeah. Really funny guy. It's like it's a shame that he got fired. If, you, if you're trying to picture him, if you've seen the infamous um, gif or meme where Chuck Taylor tried to drown someone in a in a painting of a picture, that was, the pa- a painting of a lake, that was <laughs> R.D. Evans. Oh, uh, that's wonderful. Um, but yeah, you... There is, like, in the Attitude Era, there was very much a stand-up and go out there and, and, you know, grab the brass ring thing. But they lecture the wrestlers about that now, even though it's not possible to do it anymore. So, 
that's got to be just maddening. And um, well, I think it didn't. I think it's hard though because I think Sasha said at some point that like it's really hard when you're like literally getting ready to like go out there and they hand you like a completely rewritten yeah. script. Like right before you go out and it's like you have to nail it word for word. Yeah. It's like yeah. I knew when I was wrestling, I never laid out everything, anything word for word. Because first of all, um, I wasn't going to get it word for word. Even when I did stage productions, I tell them, I'll be like, look, I'm not going to get this word for word. <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm going to change this so it sounds more natural coming out of my mouth. And then second, it's, I hate that because it, it doesn't sound natural at all. It doesn't sound like, you know, if, if, if it sounds natural coming out of your mouth, it's not going to sound natural coming out of my mouth. So I'm going to change it that way. And then they get mad at people who do that. I just don't understand, like, because if I was doing it, I'd just be like, okay, I would hand them a bullet bullet point list of saying, you need to hit these points, get there however you feel without breaking, like, TV rules, you have this much time. Yeah, and that is perfectly reasonable. If there's certain points that you want the worker to hit because you're trying to advance the storyline, okay. But that's not what they they get they get like full scripts like here's your script like they're actors and that's something that even moxley brought up it's like you know what just hire an actor then like they can probably read these lines better than i can yeah Yeah. and imagine if you're him you can see see why someone like him got just frustrated to the point of just he he would had anxiety he was just it was maddening to him yeah because if you look some people would probably think like oh you're like a mark for yourself or you're a mark for the business but it's like if you grow up loving wrestling, and he says he loves wrestling, and he still he seems right now more than anything to have a passion for wrestling and what he, he can do with his career going forward. But if you love wrestling and you finally make it to the WWE, because it's like that's the that's the biggest show in town, it's the biggest deal, and you go and then literally most of your time when you're not, I mean, if, I guess if you're working uh, house shows, you have a little bit more time to do your thing. But that's obviously in front of a small amount of people. But when you're in front of a camera and everything like that, you're you're in like what a five minute match on Raw, maybe maybe yeah. if it's well, if you're lucky you're, if you're lucky you're you get, in like a fifteen minute match broken up by two commercial breaks where you probably just rest hold it through the the commercial breaks. So yeah, yeah, and your opponent is Baron Corbin. Yeah, uh, and but it, you do that you, you you're like limited if you even make it on Raw because some of these guys don't even make it on Raw. And then the the minimal times that you are on it. It's like, here's your script. Just read from it and verbatim. This is it. It's like, you're not, you're no longer doing the art form of wrestling. Like, you're just, you're like an actor on a show, but not even like, oh, I have the creative freedom to really like play out my part per se. It's like, uh, here's your script. You're a guy in red sweater, number three. Uh, read these lines and uh, see it catering afterwards. It's like, of course he got frustrated because it's yeah. not it's not wrestling it's just this is you're you're, you're an actor uh here's your part uh go re- read your lines uh see you later yeah but you're can, not cutting a promo now yeah. you are you are reciting lines but can you think think about like some of your favorite like promos or events and i'll use i'll use my favorite one um now think about if someone could actually script this instead of it kind of being an in the moment thing 
Think about 1986 when Ric Flair pulls out the training bra and gives it to Ricky Morton. And he's like, you like the little girls, like, I like the big girls. And then Ricky Morton takes his glasses off and stomps on them right in front of Ric Flair. Like, could you imagine, like, someone, like, scripting that out and doing it as well as they probably did that, like, on the fly? Other than, like, them, like, Rick saying, like, hey, pull my glasses off and step on them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll submit an example. If you were to take Dusty Rhodes' Hard Times promo to a you know a script writing class or even a public speaking class, they would tell you that it's awful. But I'm sure as hell not going to tell anybody that Dusty Rhodes didn't know what he was doing, and then sold the living hell out of that. That's that's one of the promos for a reason. And it's in the delivery, and it's in the fact that Dusty came up with that, and it's his words coming out. And you want to hand me a script and tell me to go out there and be like Dusty? Yeah. And let's take let's take quite possibly the greatest promo in all of professional wrestling. Could you imagine a writer getting the math right like Scott Steiner did? <laughs> I knew that's where you were going. Oh, I knew that's where you were going. Oh, that's excellent. Yes, yes, yeah, because because the numbers don't lie, right? Exactly. Who's going to sit down and write that out? Nobody's going to sit down and write that out. That's not going to happen. Or even like, I don't even think a writer could have come out with come up with like, this goes to all my freaks out there, like holler if you hear me. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I mean, let me point something out for all the the crap that he got in recent years. I mean, partly. Uh, mostly due to how he was booked. One of the few times that people started popping for Roman Reigns was, and this is like a couple of years back, I feel at least at this point, it's when they were like, the crowd was kind of giving it to him and he just kind of like turned to the crowd and start, like insulted them a couple of times. Yeah. And it popped them and people were like, oh, okay. Because they realized, oh, this is not like the script. Roman's going off the script. Roman's actually just saying something. He has a little retort in the moment that he threw back at people. And people enjoyed it because they knew it was genuine. I mean, half the reason why I feel like someone like Becky has gotten over and some a few random people have gotten over is because they've done things which it seems were not on the script. It was organic. Yeah. They've uh, they've derailed that Becky train pretty hard the last month, though. Yeah, oh, the last month, the last like four months. They're but... they're well on their way to de- to derailing the Kofi train too. Mm-hmm. They can't quit screwing with things. That's that's something that um, I think I think uh, Moxley touched on it. But once they see something's hot, they've got to control it. So they got to get in there and they got to mess with it and they got to change it. Well, they got to make gotta... it theirs. Like like the perfect example is. Brock Lesnar and his mm-hmm. boombox got yeah. over, and they had to insert, insert Stephanie into it and make it not fun anymore. Yeah. I can't think of a worse fit. I really, I cannot think of a worse fit for Brock with his boombox than than Stephanie getting involved. I really because, can't. Because it was stupid, and it took up way too much time. But you know what? Like, it was kind of funny, like, the whole Brock party thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was it was kind of clever, but then 
you know, then they have to like, she's like, like, why does she care when he cashes it in? Like, didn't Edge like spend a whole year pretending like he was gonna cash the, the case in? Like he was the first one, and he would tease it all the time. Okay, here, here for just, just if you haven't listened to this, seriously, go hunt it down and listen to it. But go ahead, Matt. You were gonna say something. Yeah, it's. I mean, a lot of people have it. It shot up the podcast, that particular podcast, to uh, at least like the top ten. Yeah, all of iTunes, I think, for the week. And I think Jericho had tweeted that it was one of his, like, of all of his shows, it was, I think, one of the highest downloaded or rated shows that he's ever done. He's done uh, probably a few hundred shows over the course of his podcast uh, yeah. career. So. so this, incidentally, that brings up something else. You remember Dean Ambrose being on Stone Cold's podcast and Stone Cold's trying to give him advice and Dean's sitting there like it looks like he's blowing it off. Yeah. Now we have context that he's sitting there going, I would love to do that, but I can't. So this is really frustrating me to be sitting here and having someone telling me what to do and I'm I want to do it, but I can't. Consider the fact that just just you know, you guys mentioned the pooper scooper thing. This whole thing came out of like um whenever Dean turned heel and he was talking about the filthy unwashed masses and stuff like that, he had to get this stupid pooper scooper line taken out because Vince was going to fixate on it. Oh, but yeah. they had to go to the writer, the writer and he had to redo it. They had to resubmit it to Vince and he had to get into Vince's office to talk about it and then rewrite it before they could change anything. You know what that gave me flashbacks of? And we're going way back when, um, Jericho and Christian were a thing, and they did the ass cream comment, and they couldn't let that go for, like, weeks. Yeah. They they wouldn't stop. Yeah, because because Vince liked it. Vince became obsessed with it. And that's yeah. kind of what Moxley was getting at. It's like, he had, like, I had to get, he says in the podcast, like, I had to get the Pooper Scooper line out, because I knew if Vince saw it, he would love it. So... I, it just in general, his comments about Vince uh, and Vince's idea about him, uh, it's clear he, Vince, whatever concept you thought Moxley, his character is or was, it's clear that Vince did not see that. He, I mean, no. the appeal of Moxley and Moxley's like entire career, even before WWE, his, his gimmick, he's really kind of had the same gimmick, kind of. It's that he's like a crazy, unstable, dangerous person that you don't know what he's going to do but it's going to be like ultra violent possibly and he's he's dangerous even if he's a good guy if he's the face you still don't know what he's going to do he's unpredictable Mm -hmm. there was a pod there was an old mm -hmm. podcast i think when we did we did like one of the survivor series like i think 2015 way back in the day Mm -hmm. and i distinctly remember us talking about liking John Moxley because there was like this sense of unpredictability and danger to him that was really lacking with most of the roster at the time. Yeah. And then they spent the next like three or four years just stripping all of that away from him. Yeah. It's and and really if you listen to the podcast, it sounds like it was based on nothing more than Vince didn't get that. That's not how Vince saw him. Yeah. Even though this is like what Moxley has been hit literally his entire career. Vince, uh, Thought thought of him basically almost like as a wacky character, 
Yeah. Oh, you yeah. whack. You're like, here, go out there. And even when he was supposed to be a heel, oh, go out there and insult the fans and tell them, like, they stink and you had to get a rabies vaccine. Uh, it, it's good shit. Yeah, that's where the that's, that's where this joke comes shit. from. Is because he gives he gave Moxley got this um, he got this script, and it was while he was a babyface, but it was like, oh, you know, today I rode a unicycle backward down the street, and I ate a pizza with a homeless guy, and he's like, this 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 is not cool. This is not this is stupid. This is not anything that um, you know. This is not anything that that you know. You would want to hear someone on TV say, and I, I think, um, he, goes, he goes to Vince. Uh, let me finish my thought. Okay, Hang on, just you, a go ahead. He goes to Vince and he says, "Vince, we got to change this. This is not going to work." And Vince is like, "No, no, no. That's so you. There's some good shit in here." And he's like, "Dude, this doesn't work. We we can't. We this is not something that." you know, I would do or say, no, 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 it's so you, it's so you, there's good shit in there, Dean, there's, it's, it's good shit, and, you know, all of a sudden, it's like, so, so now we get it, like, even going back to, like, Roman Reigns is a baby face in the infamous suffering succotash promo, it's like, oh my god, I get it so much now, is he, he can't let people be themselves he's got to have control over everything i'm sorry brad go ahead well i was gonna say what really i wish i had the direct quote because it um it really hits home like modern wwe where he's talking about where they hand him the script and he's like this is just nonsense like it's a bunch of like big words yeah and like like buzzwords and stuff like that's really i think i think if you could succinct if you could succinctly put his entire interview into a paragraph I would cherry pick that one where he talks about like how that promo looked. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it lays, it lays everything that's wrong out. Who would talk like this? Why would you talk like that? Well, it's cause that's what Vince wants, but I, I don't talk like this. I don't want to do it, but that's what Vince wants. So they're, they're not, I think Moxley even said they're not writing for the crowd. They're writing for Vince. So it'll get on TV. Um, and that's, he, he even, comp- I think it may be not in that interview, but in another one, he said, that's why he likes AEW. Cause Cody's like music hits, go out there, do your thing. Um, so guys can, can you imagine walking up to Terry Funk and handing him a script? I mean, how Terry, would, how Terry would that would probably, go? Terry would probably like rip it up in front of you and piss on it in front of you. So I don't think they'd do that. Matt, how do you think doing giving a, a script to Terry Funk would go? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Vince. Oh, come on, pal. This is so you. It's good shit. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't. I don't feel. I don't. I'm an old man, Vince. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do this. You got to get out there. It's good shit, Terry. It's good shit. Now you're a goddamn coward, man. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You're a goddamn coward. I'm gonna hit you in the face. That's that's our rated R soundbite for that's our that yeah, whenever we get we get big enough, we're gonna put out a uh, a red band trailer and that's gonna be our soundbite right there. <laughs> so I have, I have a question for you guys because because WWE has been like a total train wreck this year. So if you could if you can remember back to where your 
where your interest level in the WWE was about a year ago when this podcast was just a little infant with a couple episodes. Where would you gauge your interest then in the WWE versus your interest now based on the content of the last year? Oh, man, that's tough. I'm, I'm going to look up a list. I, uh, I've got to look at this because it's definitely it's definitely down. I wasn't. I, it's, the, it's way down. Yeah, because the sad thing is, like, I wasn't even super interested in it last year. Like, I probably if I was if it was a scale of one to ten, I was probably like a four or five. And this year, I'm probably like a zero. Like, I just can't. I just can't do it. It's down even with NXT, just because with injuries it, and guys getting called up, like well, it. It, it. NXT's made some really bad unforced errors, though, with some of their booking choices lately. Yeah. Cause that like, um, I'll save that. The, I'll save that for a couple minutes down the road. Well, do you want to go into it now or do you want to save it? Oh, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Okay. So I, one of the, I think one of the, the worst booking things I've seen NXT do is how they had the exit of the war Raiders where they pretty much buried the street profits in the, um, interim before giving them the belts. Like that was just stupid. Yeah. I mean, no offense to them, but it almost seems like you, it, when you had, I, I flashback even to just a couple months back when you had Mania weekend and you had that really just awesome match between Ricochet and Aleister Black and uh, the, the, the War Vi- Raiders, whatever you want to call them, the Viking Lucha Party. Uh, yeah, that was an amazing match. I probably would give that match. If I had to give a star rating, I know we don't really do that here, but I would give that probably four and a half to four and three quarters. I thought that match was just fantastic. I give it four and three quarters. It'd probably be, it would probably make my top five for the year with Omega Tanahashi, Dustin Cody, that, and I'd have to think of the other ones. Yeah, it's just a moment. Brad, what if that, what if that match had taken place in the Tokyo Dome? It would still be foreign. Okay. I'm sorry. Just trying to be funny. It, it adds like eight stars. Yes. Shad, basically. <laughs> um, and if Will Osprey was in it, forget it. There, that'd be 28 stars added to that match. Um, I, that was an amazing match. And then you go, you literally, you're, it's two months later, and you have the Street Profits as the NXT Tag Champs. And it's like, no, no offense to those guys. Like, I've seen the wrestle. I don't mind them. But it's almost like you go from this amazing tag team to almost what I would almost style as like a comedy act. Well, the thing is, like, I don't feel like and I I mean, I keep up with the TV. I don't feel like they've ever been like this overwhelming presence of, hey, these guys are going to be the tag champs. Like they've always struck me as like kind of like that Enzo and Cass kind of like side attraction that, you know, probably aren't ever going to get the belts. Mm hmm. And um, and I feel like that was their big moment, though. If they would have beat the War Raiders, like then I might have been like, oh, hey, like. I'm going to pay attention to these guys, but then they lost and it's like, well, they're going to win the ladder match, but they they lost to the War Raiders. So who gives a crap? But then even like um, even past that with NXT, like um, Basler's title reign just bores me to tears now. I was looking back over the list 
And I can tell you there are some things that I enjoyed seeing. Obviously, you know, Daniel Bryan, the AJ Joe feud. But even going back to like Last Mania, I still I was not terribly excited for Last Mania. Wasn't Last Mania really bad though? Mania 34, it ended with Brock v Roman. Oh yeah, that Mania was terrible. Yeah, I'm looking at the the list. It, it it had some good stuff on it, but they they definitely got some WCW syndrome going. As you get to closer to the top of the card, the less interested I get. So I don't know. Well, we had we it's, had we had Woken Matt Hardy last year too, so that was that's true. What I was most interested in. Well, it's uh, my my house is a, a a Styles house. We're a big fan of AJ here, so. Um, you know, there's lots of uh, lots that goes into that, but we also, you know, and I love Joe, and I love seeing Joe do good stuff. But we've had just some, yeah, we've just we've had an array of really garbage stuff going on, and I'm just not interested. That I don't want to see. That I don't want to be involved with. Over and over again, and and how can you how can you sustain a product that is uninteresting to your fans? Well, the answer is they don't. I even think like if you turn on Raw or something, like even like the way it's shot, like within five minutes, you're just like oh, like this is boring, or the announcers like constantly like talking over each other and stuff. That's another Vince thing because he's in their ear all the time. Because cause going to NXT, I don't know. I know Matt didn't get to see the whole show, but and I usually am a Morrow defender, but he was insufferable on TakeOver this time. Uh, I, I For this TakeOver, I watched the first two matches. I, so I saw the ladder tag, and I saw um, Riddle versus Strong. Uh, I haven't watched the rest of it. Um, from what I heard of the commentary, it was okay, but I did think, uh, Morrow started to get to be a little bit too much at times. And he was like steamrolling Nigel and Beth, and then they started yelling because Morrow was yelling. And Everyone's trying so hard, but... Because my wife was watching it, watching that taker with me, and we got... I think we were in the ladder match, and she's like, this, this commentary sounds like they feel really threatened by that AEW show. And I was like, you know what? Like, you're kind of right. Like, it sounded like they were trying to make things sound bigger and better than they actually were Mm. I'm just look I know this isn't exactly fair because we have by comparison AEW's had one show right and then you know WWE's putting out I know we did the math at some point but piles of content every week Okay, that's a fair enough point, but the problem is if your content every week is just frustrating to listen to, then I'm not going to anymore. And yeah, AEW's only had one show, but I, you know, I've really enjoyed that. So, what kind of response do you think I'm going to have? I I was talking about this with someone. It might have been you guys, but I, I don't remember. This was months ago. We were talking about things they could do to mitigate their content problem. 
And we actually came up with, like, you know, they can cycle their talent. They have enough people. Why don't they write things for, like, a 10-week set thing with the storylines that last for those 10 weeks? And then some of the winners of those programs move on to the next thing, and then the losers can go away for a while, and then you kind of filter some new people in to mix it up and just keep to, like, that. Like, keep a chunk of, like, here's six to ten weeks, and we're going to tell these stories with these people, and then this next six to ten weeks will start towards the end of that, and then whoever wins will go on to the – you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, that would be a good – I think that would be good because it gives people a break. And they have an opportunity to rest up and heal up, you know. But yeah, that's that's a great idea. They they certainly have more than enough talent for that, and they could easily do that. They could easily cycle guys on every like, at least every six months. Yeah, but what do we end up with? We end up with how many Shane and Roman segments on both shows this week? Five thousand. Yeah, and so. Even with all that, even with all that talent, they're still using the same people over and over again. Yeah, and and here's another great one. Just going by like things we've talked, like if you go over the the history of the podcast, I think if you went back to this time last year, we'd be gushing about how great Elias is. And this at this point now, if Elias comes on TV, I'm just like, oh god, like I'm turning the t- channel for five minutes. I think that. Vince has since Elias started getting over. I think Vince has started getting in into his ear, and and being like, "No, pal, you need to do this." And it's like, "No, don't, don't do." The, he was over, and now he's. Well, not. they they screwed him up because they like turned him face for like two months and then turned him back heel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you were gonna turn him face, you gotta you gotta leave him alone and and let him do it. Don't. Quit fiddling with it, you know? Yeah. If you fiddle with it too much, it's going to fall off. And, hey, guess what happened? It fell off. But there's just there's things that they're doing that I really don't like. Then this is on a business level. I really don't like their hoarding of talent. Like, we kind of touched on it last week, but, like, why are you signing guys that are just going to curtain jerk on NXT and you obviously have no plans for them? Or like NXT UK, where you just pretty much you're trying to kill the UK indie scene, and like your promotion's failing because you don't know how to run in that market. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty clear, especially with the numbers that came out for the um, for the the NXT UK show. They we was not doing well. Well, no, but they they double screwed that because. They try to go up against New Japan doing their first, like, proper show in um, the UK. So that that hurt them. And then they're doing it in the same city as, like, a Rugby World Cup qualifier or something. Yeah. It seems like there's a lack of um, awareness. But a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of people from the UK I've seen that comment on NXT UK, they're... They keep what they all tend to say is, "Why am I going to pay double to triple the ticket prices to see a card I could have seen a year or two ago for with the same guys?" Like that's what, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's what the sentiment seems to be over there. That's that's a that's a good point because it you're they're not changing up who it is. It's just the same people under a new banner. That yeah, that's I mean, a really good point. Yeah, because if you look at it, it's really most of their shows are just crappier progress shows with some 
other guys mixed in from other promotions. Or they're doing the they're doing the same storylines that have been done before in a different company. Yeah, pretty like much. you could do that in the territories because you could move people around and have the bookers could move around and do some some not the exact same thing, but do like kind of similar storylines in different locations because people hadn't seen them. Well, and the other thing I think that hurts NXT UK is if you've watched some British indies, um, especially like Progress and stuff, like a lot of those shows are in like nightclubs and they're kind of like a raunchier, more like R-rated experience, which WWE's not going to do. No. no, not with their PG, not in the PG era, no. Yeah, and I think that's part of, I don't know how much like of Progress or any of that stuff you guys have seen, but like I said, part of the charm is... They're a little goofy, but they're also, like, a more mature setting with, like, their own quirky sense to them. Right. So I think what we're trying to say is that the stuff that's under the WWE banner, and they have amazing talent there, but it's so overproduced and micromanaged that it is killing its own product. Yeah, I agree with that. And as Moxley said, Vince isn't going. Vince is going to die in that chair. Um, I totally. You know what? I even there was a report. Oh, it might have been a month ago at this point that um, Triple H is one of the most frustrated people backstage, and that he would go to you know guys he worked with in NXT, and he would tell them, "Look, I'm sorry, this is going on. I hate this for you." And and that sort of stuff, and there were I heard a lot of people saying, "Oh, you know, this is this is just you know something that's put out there to try and make you know make Triple H look better, or this is PR stuff, or the, make him think, make you I know make him a good guy." Show. I totally buy it now. With this information out there, I completely buy it. Like combine that with the, you know the stories of like the. I, we talked about this off air earlier today, but like the whole backstory on the Katie Vick thing, I completely buy that Triple H is is more frustrated than just about anybody else. I, I think I think I think he is frustrated, but I do think um, I think that whole Triple H is the savior subplot that a lot of people subscribe to. I think I think a good part of that is working the marks. Um, so. I'm not going to say that Triple H is going to make everything perfect, but I I would I would totally buy that it would be better. I think it would be better, but I think it's going to have its own flaws, and I think um, I think what NXT is kind of going through right now throws a little water on that fire. So, but let's go into something a little more positive. Uh, Shad, how far have you gotten into the AEW? Um, I've gotten through about the first half of it, and it has been just a lot of fun. I know we we talked about this stuff uh, recently, but for example, getting to watch um, you know the opener SCU versus Stronghearts was like the perfect opener because you had this hot open, you got to see this cool stuff, you know, this hot open. These guys do this good promo work. The worst town we've ever been in, but this is the least bad one so far. And then having a good match with the Stronghearts guys, which incidentally, I was 
actually really kind of amused with because I saw them using what I would think as a lot of Western wrestling mannerisms. Um, I think Kazarian had, had like maybe T-Hawk or something snatched up in this headlock. And T-Hawk is like working it, working it. And then he extends his hand and does the full-on Hulk Hogan uh-uh-uh finger twitch. Right? I didn't think that was a universal gesture. Uh, Dragon Gate, which they kind of they kind of originated in Dragon Gate. Yeah. And then moved over to the OWE thing. It Dragon Gate is a very weird mix of like Lucha Libre and um, kind of current American mixed with Japanese. Like it's a very weird like it's a amalgamation. Hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, I think the original name was uh, wasn't it like Lucha Resu? Like it's a yeah. kind of a portmanteau of uh, Lucha Libre and Pura Resu. Uh, yeah. Japanese wrestling. Yeah. 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 But it, that was fun to watch. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, the story in the women's match was really, really entertaining and fun. Um, you know, uh, the Joshi match was good. I enjoyed a lot of it. I held off. I did not watch Cody Dustin yet because I wanted to have an opportunity when I could sit down and watch it uninterrupted. Um, which may be... Maybe tomorrow afternoon, but, you know, I wanted to be able to sit down and watch that one in its entirety with no commercial interruptions or interruptions, commercial or otherwise. Uh, so I'm 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 sitting right there. I'm ready for it, but I haven't hit the button on it. I, I want to is, is that your first like intense ex, um, exposure to Joshi? Um. Let me put it this way. It was my first intentional exposure to Joshi. Okay. If what that did you, makes what did you... I just, It's good wrestling, right? They what have... You... Here's the interesting... If I was going to take Joshi and, and make a comparison to it, <laughs> Joshi is like a, a slightly toned down like early 90s NWA WCW thing because there's more focus on the quote sport aspect of it. And I enjoyed that, you know. If we're going to go out there and have this even if we're going to call it an athletic competition, then yeah, let's let's see it look like that and that's that's what they were doing. Like just to, just as a follow up to that. Like so if if like Matt and I were like, "Hey, like Shad, like, did you like that match? Like, what if I send you like a couple of Sendai Girl shows? Would you be like, oh yeah, like I think I would be willing to check that out after seeing them? I would be or willing be- to check it out. Right now, my big constraint is time, but well, yeah, I'd be willing I, I just, to check it out. Uh, I just I, meant in general, like, oh, well, I would like to think I'm not a. I, I like to, for the most part, hands in the air. For the most part, I'm not a snob about not watching stuff. Like, I will draw the line. Don't send me deathmatch stuff. I won't watch it. I don't yeah. want to watch it. I have strong opinions on deathmatch stuff. I agree with that. Um, I, I just meant in general, because Joshi's tough because it's um, it's very... It's its its own style, and there's a lot of promotions, and, you know... It's hard to find a relatable that. avenue to go into with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Hey, Brad. Yes, person I've s- never met before. <laughs> Did you say that you could send Shad some stuff? 
Probably, yes. Well, you know, you can save a lot on sending things <laughs> if you go to stamps.com. That's right, stamps.com. Yes. Save on USPS postage. Print your own postage and shipping <laughs> labels in seconds. Now, wait like, a minute. Now, wait a minute. We're did you, not did you, pull up a, did you pull up a reading list for that? I did. I, nice. I'm on the website. We are not a cheap date, guys. We're not getting paid for this stuff. In the Is words of the Joker, if you're good at something, never do it for free. And I like to think we're at least decent at this. Shad, let me tell you about Vermont Teddy Bear. <laughs> I'm just thinking about I'm just thinking about every bad advertiser that was ever on like well, Howard Stern or listen, Opie and Anthony. Now. I know here's the thing, guys. I can tell you I can tell you that in my time on the indie wrestling circuit, one big, the biggest thing for me that seemed to be the hardest aspect of it really was the travel, which is why I went to truecar.com to look for my new vehicle. <laughs> you got to respect. That was a great tie in right there. That was, that was good stuff. That was, that was good shit. Going, I actually thought you were trying to veer us back on the tracks and nope, you were right in the gutter with the rest of <laughs> Like I said, man, I, that was a good setup. Steered us right into the ditch. That was yep. that was good shit. Uh, Let me tell you guys about Adam and Eve. <laughs> oh God, that's not family friendly. That's no. not friendly friendly at all. Oh, you know what? You know what else is almost not fa- family friendly, but super supportive is Saks underwear. That's the, <laughs> that's what I wear when I'm doing my DDP yoga. Let me tell you right now. That is a mental image that I do not need in my life. <laughs> I didn't say that was all I was wearing. You're oh, probably like, I... um, Shad doing DDP yoga is probably like, um, Silence of the Lambs, like, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. <laughs> I, I do have the DDP yoga DVD set. Um, I do it sometimes. I have it too, actually. It's, um... That's an intense workout, and I don't mind giving them a shout out. I don't, I don't know if I told this story in a podcast episode or not, but I'll tell it again. For all those new listeners out there, or all of those friends of ours giving us a pity listen out there, um, a few years ago I was at a convention, and I went to go see uh, Diamond Dallas Page. I didn't know he was going to be there until I got there. Like He wasn't on the, the pre-show list. But it's DDP. It's my guy, right? So I went up, and I just got a picture with him. And he's, he's I said, you know, it's an honor to meet you, sir. You were always my guy I'm watching WCW. It was you and then Sting and then everybody else. And, you know, I used to be an indie worker. And I'll I'll admit I um, I was such a fan of your finish that I blatantly stole it, and I loved that. And he said, Bro, what do you mean used to he said first of all he said, Bro, thanks, that means license. But bro, what do you mean used to be? And I said, Well, I messed up my neck and my doctor canceled my license because of how bad my neck was messed up. He goes, Bro, how old are you? And at the time I was thirty four. He goes, Thirty four? Bro, I didn't hit the ring until I was a year older than that. And I said, Yeah, I know, but you know, a lifetime of martial arts and then some 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 bad bumps and stuff and that's made it really tough. He goes, I tell you what, and he like grabs some stuff off his table and just hands it to me. He goes, I developed this for people like us. And I was like, 
you know what, sir? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I shook his hand again, and I got my picture with like his copy of the belt over the over my shoulder and us doing the diamond cutter symbol. And I walked away, and I kept it cool until I turned around the corner, and I was sure he couldn't see me. And I went, oh, my God, are people like us with Diamond Dallas Page? And then you realized he stole your wallet. <laughs> that would have been kind of tough to do with what I was wearing. But uh, he, he would have taken a long time to go through all those pockets. But, yeah, that's that's why I, will, I don't mind giving DDP Yoga a shout-out for free. I have a question, um, because you've talked about that before. How do um, those guys take it when you say, like, I stole stuff from you because I was such a fan? Like, are most of them pretty gracious about it? Well, I said that to Sting. And as I said before, I don't get nervous meeting famous people. I got nervous meeting Sting. Sting smiles. He said, we all do it. And I said, kind of like the, uh, if you steal from one person, it's plagiarism. If you steal from a bunch of them, it's... uh, it's research, and he says, you've got it, brother. You've got it. I was just like, and in, in, I'm just standing there, and I'm having a hard time keeping it together. And he, like, pats me on the shoulder. He says, you got it, brother. You got it. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm having this interact." Like, most people take it as flattery for me to, to, to say, you know, I always enjoyed how you do stuff, and I tried to emulate that. They all, most of them take it as flattery. Do, um, do they treat you differently when you tell them you were, like, a wrestler like do they do do you see like a change in their demeanor like are they more like oh okay cool like you know you uh it kind of depends okay Uh, because like some guys you can't stand and talk for too long like well yeah sting's line was really long um yeah i got i I got my uh his autograph about a month ago month and a half ago and he had a huge line and it made me so happy yeah. Isn't this like his first real time on the circuit though? Like he's like a real novelty though, isn't he? Uh it might be. I don't think he's ever done as much before. He hadn't done as much, no, but on the other hand, he's Sting, so uh Brad, we need you to get a picture with Sting so that we can have the four covers hat trick. I've been waiting for the Wizard World to to announce their lineup or not, because if he's there I'm gonna go, but um he just they haven't announced anyone yet. Okay. It's like in October. All right. And it might clash with because um, I'm trying to go to King of Trios after um, Big Papa Pump, Little Petey Pump, and Thick Mama Pump got announced. <laughs> oh, <right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to I, I really want to hear about that. <clears throat> but um, to, like, one, not, not this past year, but the year before, uh, I went and talked to uh, Booker T., he didn't have a line, and I, it's Booker T. You know, tag wrestling in mid and late 90s WCW was my jam. And so, you know, it's Booker T. And I'd much rather go talk to Booker T than Kevin Nash. Um, Nash had a line, too, but Booker T didn't have a line. I just walked up and talked to him. And I told him, I said, you know, I, I used to be a worker, and I appreciated how you did stuff. And, you know, I modeled my back elbow off how you did yours. And he and I got started trading war stories. And um, he, he was telling me the story about this. He's doing the King Booker gimmick, and they were doing this show in Vegas. And he's got this lady at ringside he started working on. And he's like, no, 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 I'm the king. Kiss my ring. And she's screaming at him, I'll never kiss your ring. I won't. You're not my king. And all this sort of stuff. He bumped into her whenever they came back to Vegas later. And she was telling him, you know, 
at the time she was in chemotherapy and being able to go through, go to the match and do that and have that interaction with him made her feel alive and kind of like recharged her tank. And she had, had since gone into remission. And I told him the story about how I almost, almost got killed in a small East Kentucky town because I was tapping on the wrong nerves. And he got the biggest laugh out of that. You know, we had a great time talking. If, if I have time to talk with him, we'll have fun. But, you know, you don't always have time to, to, to really talk with the guys. Does that answer your question? Yes, I okay. was just curious. I, I get weird like thoughts in my head when you're when we're talking sometimes. And I wonder things. <laughs> Isn't that pretty much this podcast in a nutshell? <laughs> yes. Well, I to break the fourth wall. There's some weeks where I come into this and I haven't like slept very well or I had a really rough day, and then it's Wednesday and I'm like listening back to edit stuff and I'm like, holy shit! Like I don't remember a single thing I said on this show. <laughs> Yeah, there are times where I'd be like, oh, I actually made that point. Or, oh, I, I was a weird tangent I was going <laughs> off on. So I, I, I hear will, you. I will do that to myself. Usually, though, it's myself going, God, dude, no, make a, no, stop, shut up, quit, ta- oh, oh, I'm embarrassed. But I'm, I'm rather critical of myself. <laughs> it's, it's funny like my well my remembrances aren't all because there's some weeks where i'm like wow like i really didn't shut the fuck up this week like maybe i need to cut that down and i'll go back and edit it and i barely talk the whole time I'm like well like i don't know what i was thinking yeah i'm i'm probably the 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 windbag of the the podcast here so my apologies if you don't if you prefer not to hear as much of me then you know sorry about that yeah you get Just me hit a- it with a folding chair you get me in front of a microphone and things happen. Eh, it's good. I enjoy the dynamic. So, um, so can, can we? Um, I know, I know. Um, unfortunately, Shad didn't get time because it was it was a weirdly placed um, takeover because it's kind of on the heels of Money in the Bank and AEW, like back to back to back. Right. Yeah. So, um, it not happening on the same weekend as a WWE pay per view show. That's. And, uh, from what I've read, this show sold very poorly. Mm-hmm. But it's a good show, though, wasn't it? It was good, but there's there's definitely... I don't know if Matt could feel it through the first two matches, but there's definitely something missing. It's starting to feel like a Ring of Honor show from a couple years ago where it feels very, like, tire-spinny and, like, everything's kind of treading water. Well, it also even felt like a NXT show from like three or four years ago where you had some stuff that was hot. I mean, the crowd was hot and the matches are good, but you didn't quite have like the level of performer. Like I've only saw the first two matches in this, but like the people were really into Matt Riddle. Um, and that was a good match, but it wasn't like, you knew that wasn't the main event. And, and it, you know, Matt Riddle's not like going anywhere for a while. Yeah. He kind of seems like he lost some steam after um, Velveteen beat him. I don't know. He seemed pretty over for the, in this. Yeah, so that match was really good. I really enjoyed that match. My biggest criticism of Riddle, though, is I think the guy needs to streamline his offense a little bit because I don't know if you noticed it, but like it feels like one minute he's like suplexing, the next minute he's like MMA, and then like he's coming off the top rope, and it's like, dude, dude, like, chill like you just pick like an avenue 
and like stick to it. Yeah, or he can pick a style for the match. Like he can do some high flying stuff or go off the top if he needs to for. But it ba- based on your opponent. Yeah. Uh, I also thought his. I'm not a super big stickler for this all the time, but I thought his selling was a little off too because you had Roderick working over the back and then Riddle was doing things that he shouldn't have been doing. He did like a kip up at one point and it's like, that's kind of bad psychology because the dude just was literally spent like five minutes working on your back and you're doing a kip up. Yeah. And, and then he'd like remember a, like a second later or a minute later to, to sell and he his selling was just like kind of like putting his hand like back on his back, like ah, oh, that's right, I'm hurt. Uh, and, it, he, it wasn't it, terrible, but there was some lapses there. And it felt like he was going. It felt like I was going to see little Matt Riddle the way his pants were designed. Oh yeah, <laughs> like he was, it, like it, it was the way his mus mus muscle structure is, and he had like a gold that was kind of similar to his skin tone, like as the top of his trunks. But it really felt like he was the wrong move away from like his ass coming out the whole match. So I thought this was good, though. I've seen some I, I didn't see this one, but I've seen some Matt Riddle matches in the past. And I got to agree with you guys on the style kind of being all over the place. Um, it, the, it the and the ones I saw were just like NXT TV stuff, but it kind of felt like it's like. Oh, got a bunch of shit I'm going to get in. And it's like, I don't like it when people do that. I I will defend him a little bit. He's only been in the business for like four and a half years. So, I mean, he still is pretty. It's part of it's part of the learning and growing process. And even if it is good shit, you don't have to get all of it in every match. Yeah, exactly. Like, keep it. That's that's um. I think Matt and I used to trash on Chris Hero for this, like, way back in the day. Like, we're talking 15 years ago. Is just because you can do all the moves doesn't mean you have to do them in every single match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, having some having some spots that you like to do every match, I, yes. Because it's not lazy, but it creates a sense of familiarity for the crowd. And they can be excited and be like, oh, he's going to do that thing that I like to see him do. But you don't you don't have to go through every move in your catalog, every match, because first of all, sooner or later, you're going to forget some stuff. And then second of all, it's going to get boring. It's not going to be special anymore. Don't do that. Just just for God's sakes, do more with less and back it off a little more. Right. Exactly. Now, up next, we had the ladder match, which was um, Street Profits, uh, Undisputed Era, Forgotten Sons, which is... I don't remember who those were. It was it was um, Buddy Murphy's old partner, Wesley Blake. Yeah. I don't remember the other guy. And then it was Lorcan and Birchall. So this, Danny I actually Birch, thought... Man. Danny Birch, yeah, Birch, not so, Kirkle. Yeah. Birchall. Birchall. Paul Birchall. Boy, that would be different, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So this I really enjoyed. Like, they did a lot of stuff I don't feel like I'd seen in a ladder match before. They were just doing some real devastating stuff for with the ladder. And I really liked when that guy came out and beat them all up, and then the other teams just, like, spent five minutes of the match just, like, beating the piss out of him. Uh, That's Jackson Riker. Yeah. uh, Formerly a gunner from TNA. 
Oh, really? Yeah. It doesn't look like mm. Gunner at all. No, well, he's clearly... Uh, uh, he seems like he's uh, both bulked up, bulked up and slimmed down. Uh, and he's, okay. He looks like a big dude. Uh, and obviously, because they gave him a lot of offense there, you can clearly see that they kind of want something to do with him yeah down the road i mean at this point like you can you can give me i haven't seen a lot of him i haven't even seen a lot of him as gunner and tna but uh you can give me more of him uh in the baron corbin spot <laughs> if you want <laughs> if you want a big Actually, tattooed uh, uh uh like hell's angel type of guy i saw a lot of him when he was still phil shatter and like nwa anarchy mm-hmm way back in the day but i really liked the part so shad what happened is he came out like and he was helping the forgotten son so he like beat up like everyone okay and then they kind of regrouped and they kind of all like the other three teams just said fuck it and then all six guys just pretty much took turns like beating him to a pulp good i love that it makes sense i think there was one point where like he was on the ground and they were all stomping him that's that's the kind of thing that I want to see happen because, you know, that's, that's, that's how it ought to work. So. So then I think Shad's seen the pictures, but Kyle O'Reilly took some nasty bumps and he had like mm. massive lacerations like yeah. on his back from the ladder. I'm, I'm, I kind of thought I, I'm going to let Matt go ahead and on that. I've got something to say about that, but I want I want to give you guys an opportunity first. Yeah, I saw some of that. I, I mean, I saw some of it in the match, but then I think I saw photos afterwards that it looked pretty bad. I mean, there I've seen worse, but it he he did look pretty beat up at, at, in certain parts of his back. They're just bloody bruises. Did not look fun. No, it did not. Um, so then the cool part I thought was how the street profits won, where the guy jumped like off the top rope onto the ladder. Mm -hmm. I thought that was original and it kind of, there was a couple parts of this where they did. And my wife commented on it because it drives her nuts is the super slow, like, Oh my gosh, I've never seen a ladder before climbs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that WWE ladder climb. Because um, to go off topic, when we watched um, the Dasher, Hatfield, and Mr. Touchdown ladder match, they injured Mr. Touchdown's leg early. And then Dasher Hatfield was like, eh, I don't feel like climbing it. I just want to beat you up some more. And then he didn't climb until he pretty much destroyed Touchdown by powerbombing him through a ladder. So they got around that pretty good. Actually, I liked, um, I liked um, the women's Money in the Bank and how they kind of solved that by having um, her carrying Mandy Rose on her shoulders. Yeah, that was, that was a good spot. So it actually kind of gave you a logical reason for that to happen? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that that spot in that match. That was good stuff. Yeah. Good shit, you mean? It, yeah, it was good shit. <laughs> um, the thing I was going to say is... I. I I know that the ladder match has kind of become, it feels like it's become like the hallmark gimmick match 
for for WWE, like more than anything else. It's not the same spectacle as other matches, but it's you see more ladder matches than anything else, right? I think because um, those edging Christian, Dudley Boys, Hardys. Yeah, the TLC stuff. Yeah. Here's the thing. I would really like to see them not do as many ladder matches and do some other gimmick matches. Because the the biggest problem is that everyone keeps trying to top other ladder matches. And I swear, sooner or later, somebody's going to die. Yeah. And I, I don't want that to happen. Um, so wait, wait, let's... um. Let's kind of go into something that's maybe not so negative. What's what is your favorite gimmick match that's not a ladder match? And this will go for all three of us. It kind of well. Do you have one in mind already, Brad? Um, it's basic, but I love a good old-fashioned cage match. Uh, War games being like the specific okay. iteration of it. I love a good War- cage match. Yeah, I will say uh, War Games is my number one gimmick match of all time. Yeah, uh, I like the Royal Rumble too. I like, I like the uh, adding participants, uh, but really like my runner-up to War Games. As as funny as it sounds, I loved the old school like late '80s, and they kind of got away from it uh, in the early '90s. But I love like the survivor series elimination match. I liked that it was, Oh yeah, those are great. Too. I liked that it was, you know, four on four or even five on five. Yeah. Uh, just single elimination. So you could wind up with like wildly, uh, like egregiously unfair handicap matches. You know, what was yeah. great though was, um, when they did it in 1990 and then the survivors of each mat went match went on to the main event. And then it was like all these heels versus, um, Hogan, the Warrior, and Tito Santana. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Um, you, you think about how much heat you can get out of that. Just think back to the Survivor Series match that Dolph Ziggler won, and how much heat he had that night, which they immediately pissed away in the following week. But just how awesome that was in that moment! You can build a great story out of that. Ooh, I've got another good one: the bull rope match. See, here's that I was gonna say there there are two I, that I can't really decide between. Um, the first one, just just good old fashioned either falls count anywhere, no DQ because you don't have to kill each other to do fun or interesting or different stuff in those. You just got to think outside the box a little bit. You don't have to light tube somebody. You can have some fun with those, and it doesn't hurt to match. You know, you can have like a, a trash can full of full of weapons, and you go and pull stuff out, and then you pull the rubber chicken out, and you look at it, and you look at the other guy, and you go by us both look at it, and you shrug, and you punch him with, it, and it squeaks. That's funny. That's different. The other one for me is the uh, the you know, for me it's it's the Russian chain match or bull rope or whatever you want to call. It. You know, you similar kind of thing. Would you, we say the dog collar match is like a subset of a bull rope match? They're all they're all similar. They have the same point, right? Because you're trying to hit the four corners, but you also have these thing this thing tying you together so you can't get too far apart. 
you know, it keeps it keeps the the cowardly heel from running away from you, kind of like a cage match does. Or it, it you you don't you you have to get a resolution to it because you can't get away from the other person until the match is over and they take the stuff off. So I like those. Um, there's a lot you can do with them, and if you know what you're doing, you're not going to get yourself tangled up in the ropes. Uh, <laughs> I'll go another. Memphis um, steadfast one that's always hilarious is the um, lumberjack match, except when you give the lumberjack straps. So when guys get out of the ring, they get uh, okay, yeah, whipped. Because I've never been a big fan of lumberjack matches, but the ones that I have enjoyed, they kind of do have that stipulation. Now that I recall, oh, because otherwise it's just stupid. And like you may get like someone throwing a punch or two, and then they'll just throw the person right back in. I did like how like. I think it, really you would see this in like NWA, WCW. Like they would do that where they would, you, you'd just see people like slap the, the shit out of someone with those straps. And that was fun. Yeah. Well, cause there was more incentive not to go to the outside that oh, way. Oh yeah. So also, I love the idea that the heel gets pitched to the outside and he's surrounded by a bunch of baby face lumberjacks and he looks up and realizes where he is. Oh, I love those moments. I also like when when they do it smart and have guys that are feuding and the lumberjacks get into it with each other. Yeah, yeah. Because the the whole thing when the whole thing breaks down, then you can you can play with the gimmick even more because like I've got this going on and that's great. And then the lumberjacks start fighting with each other and it's like, hey, I thought we were going to have a lumberjack match, which is a way to have a gimmick match that doesn't re- does not resolve the feud without crapping on the match. I have another great one, and it's it's a simple one, except someone's got to be willing to change their appearance. The um, hair match, when it's used pretty well, and if they're willing to really like run with it when the heel loses their hair. Yeah. But to go back to Memphis, because it's hilarious, Bill Dundee lost his hair once, and then he put his wife's hair on the line, and then he also <laughs> lost that match. Oh man, you got You know that guy's. He's he's all in for the business right there. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other ones because there there are a lot of gimmick matches I like, but a lot of them you can't do in the WWE anymore. Like a first blood match, you can really do a lot with. Um, we could talk about Shad's favorite one that probably will never see the light of day again, which is the Lions Den match. <laughs> I, I was a fan of the guys that were in that. It's. It's, I, that's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought I thought I was going to hear you say coal miners glove match, but there's actually some. I I don't mind that because the, if it's done right, that's not terrible. What was um, what was Jerry Flynn's um gimmick the, match? The, the block match. Was that just the boiler room brawl? Basically. Yeah. That the the problem with that is everybody's watching the same screen then, so it's not interesting. Nobody can actually watch it live. So the fact that he was doing that every week, it's like, uh, it, you know, it's killing the crowd. I like the, the, oh, go ahead, Matt. Sorry, just as an aside, we've mentioned this before, but I am a Jerry Flynn fan. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was one of my favorite kind of really, really like C-level, uh, basically jobber guys, but he was yeah. fun. Yeah, He got like minorly pushed for a while. Yeah, because I think the crowd started getting into him. Yeah, I think so. What were we gonna say? He was—he was just like a grease ball too. Yeah, Tennessee waterfall going, man. Because I think I think um, 
I think you once described him as like, if it was the '80s, he would have been in Cobra Kai. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. I think, I think going more basic, like I think the two, I think the two out of three falls match is far superior to the Iron Man match. Yeah, I would agree. It, you, you kind of, you can't. You can't screw up a two out of three falls match as easily as you can with an Iron Man match. If you have an Iron Man match and nobody gets a fall for, it's a it's an hour long thing and nobody gets a fall for forty five minutes, then everyone gets bored. I think the coolest one I saw for an Iron Man match was in early TNA. I think it was AJ Styles and Jerry Lynn, and like AJ Styles like KO'd him with a chair at the beginning of the match and pinned him like four times. And then the rest of the match was about Jerry Lynn playing catch up. Like that one was kind of cool. Yeah. But, um, no one's ever done that again. So, yeah, it, it's, it's well, like the Iron Man match where it was, it was Rick rude versus Ricky steamboat was potentially super cool, but then rude got a fall early on. I think, and then proceeded to basically lay on Steamboat for about 10-15 minutes. And I'm like, I know what you're doing, but the problem is you're killing me. I like that match. What's that? Was that on Pro? Was it, was that on like a sideshow or was that on Saturday night? That was on a pay-per-view. Oh, really? I yeah. thought they had some great match on like some one of their TV shows once, too. Uh, I don't remember that. It's not that I don't care, I just don't remember so yeah it's hard to remember what happens well i'm terrible at remembering when things happen i tell people in in i tell people all the time it's like look i've been hitting the head a lot you're gonna have to you're gonna have to work with me a little bit yeah especially when we do our recap shows like i have to awkwardly like get the pay-per-view watched as closely as possible to recording because i'll forget everything if it's more than like 24 to 36 hours before (laughs) I sit and make a lot of notes while I watch stuff. So if if we're doing a, a pay per view recap show and you're you hear paper shuffling, that's what's going on. Is I'm I'm going through my notes and um, I'm picking I'm picking the um, you know it's like oh okay here's the note I got about this. You probably heard it whenever we did that three match show. So. Um, the, the, the three-match show was easier for some reason. Well, because it was because just it was, three matches. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I had notes for that. So. All right. Well, guys, what was, what, what, was there anything else we were going to bring up? Uh, was, was, it, was there any more good shit we had this week? I think we were going to briefly touch on the Ring of Honor thing, but, I mean, that's oh, just yeah. that's just a crap show, and... I don't even I, I think I think we can sum I think we can just sum up that situation in um pretty much by saying like I don't think it matters what the fan did at the point that they drug him backstage because no matter what he did the the personnel were in the wrong once like they did that. Yeah. Um well, why don't why don't you guys just give us a real quick recap uh, of what uh, what the 
uh, you know, what transpired. So they went out to the more of the Pacific Northwest, right, Matt, this weekend? I yeah. think they were in like Oregon and Washington. So um I don't think this was like a tape show or anything like that. I think they tape everything though. I think it was oh. probably like an honor club show. Mm, okay. So I'm not sure I tr I, I think I read what happened. Like so there was an exchange between him and the beautiful people and there was some off color comments made both ways. And at some point, Mandy Leone spit at him. I don't know if she spit on him. Like, that. that's a... The, there's been an interchange of at and on, and that kind of changes things. So I'm going to say at just to be safe. Yeah. So at some point after that, um, they came and got him. And at first it was security, but he's claiming it was delirious. Mm-hmm came and got him so they took him backstage and i guess bully ray said to him don't say anything you wouldn't say to your mother is that about what he said matt or was there more uh i don't think so i mean no that's about the gist of it yeah uh and i can believe that the guy is being a little coy about it. i'm sure he was like I'm sure he was talking shit or catcalling or something. I'm sure, I'm sure there's more to the story, but still. Like, you just, you let it go. What you don't do is you don't drag the guy into the back to berate or try and threaten him. Yeah, or you come to the side and just be like, hey, dude, can you chill it out? Can you chill out a little bit or you throw him out? Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. If, if if he's crossed over a line, you just throw him out. You don't have, because if, if Delirious went and got him... That means that we have someone who's not a member of security, and usually, from my understanding, if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone will tell us, but um, from my understanding, security, folks that work security on events are usually, they have insurance and bonding, like they're bonded, so if something happens, stuff is covered, uh, which like opens them up to a whole potential possibility of problems. Well, like this, though. Like, what if that guy came back and said, Bully Ray punched me? Yeah. You can't prove he didn't do it. Right. And and they're like, well, you don't have a mark. And he's like, oh, he, he hits like a bitch. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, of course, will fire him up enough to probably hit him again on camera. But, um, you know, I don't. It's unprofessional. And, like, that's, I feel like the most Bush League of Indie Promotions would not do something like this. You're trying to get me to tell that story, aren't you? No, you don't have to. But um, <laughs> I was more thinking, like, what a year, what a time we live in when the talent's getting worked by the fans. Yeah. Um, it's <sighs> the fan interaction thing. If you're a heel getting heat, and 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 them spitting at you is the worst that you get then as a heel you're doing a good job um the uh this stuff though this is just this is handling it all wrong especially considering there was a there was a woman involved that had all the um you know that that said the dynamic flipped the other way it didn't carry so you know, look, uh, we might be getting to the point where Ring of Honor is 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 coming to the end of its its life with stuff like this. 
Well, I think I think um, I don't know how big this is gonna get, but I think I think it's gonna hurt their draw because I don't know about Matt, and I'm not gonna speak for Matt, but like I would be very hesitant to buy a ticket if like this is the behavior they're going to exhibit mm-hmm. towards people in the video. Because to me, to me, it's a giant breach of trust. Right. Uh, I'm. Here's the thing. You're always going to have dirt bags in the crowd at a show like that. It's always going to happen. If it's a problem, just kick them out. Yeah. Don't just kick them out. Don't don't try to go vigilante or be like, oh, you're stepping into my world now. Like, like there's a difference. Someone hops the rail and hops in the ring. Yeah, you have a full on reason to 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 defend yourself in that case. But don't drag him in the back. What do you think? What what good's going to come of that? You know, it's it's. You're either going to try and intimidate someone, and then word's going to get out that you intimidated someone, or you're going to try and t- intimidate him. It's not going to work, and then you're going to seem impotent. Yeah, and I mean, like, I mean, like my job, I could if someone was like berating me over the phone like the most i can do is be like sir i can't talk to you if you're gonna talk to me this way and hang up on them like that i can't oh yeah you can't fire back you can't go beat them up like you're gonna get fired like it's just that's not how the world works like all bully ray did is he might potentially get the company sued like especially if the if a lawyer finds this guy forget it like there's some lawyer Reading that story that like has dollar signs in there. Yeah. In their head. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, just don't do that. Just look, wrestlers tell people all the time, don't try and do my job. You know, you wouldn't tell a plumber how to do his job. Don't tell a wrestler how to do their job. Hey, wrestlers, don't tell security how to do their job. Right. Yeah, it's just a bad look. It's a bad look for a company that's really struggling to pull talent. I mean, pull people into their shows now. Yeah, yeah. You're you're gonna get in some. We're that's gonna cause problems. Yeah. All right. So I just briefly wanted to touch on that because that one was. It's kind of been a story the last couple of days. Like it's, it's gotten a little more. Um, attention than I thought. Mm-hmm. Well, we're it's kind of also being overshadowed by the other uh, bigger stories floating around in the wrestling world. If if this had happened with with WWE or AEW, then it would be a bigger story too. But it's Ring of Honor, so it's not. Uh, you know, we're not getting as yeah. big a bigger response. Matt, was there anything you wanted to to add to the ROH thing? Yeah. No, I mean they're. It was extraordinarily dumb. I don't know if they're gonna. They they are launched. They've launched some sort of internal investigation. We'll see if they actually do yeah. anything to deal with that. Um, I mean, in in a fair world, that this should, in theory, be the end of Bully Ray and or Delirious. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of hope because I think uh, wrestling can be a very like insular universe and they may decide well we'll just let the heat die down yeah and not let anything happen but we'll see i think i think it's going to depend on um if it's the wrestling division or if that got the attention of like oh sinclair yeah Mm, that's true that's a good point 
Because I think I think what's going to decide their fate to a degree is how vulnerable they think they are to a lawsuit. Okay, yeah, I could see that. I could see. But we'll that. see. Like, I agree with Matt. Like, I expect this just to. I expect to not hear a peep from them. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, we'll we'll keep an eye on this and see how it goes. So, alrighty, well. Guys, I think that's I think that's about wrapped us up for this week. Um, we want to say thank you to everybody out there. Just for kicks, I'll drop a few names for some folks that have been listening. Um, oh, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to vapor lock. Matt, what was a uh, what was our 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 favorite uh, Twitter followers handle again? Our favorite Twitter followers. Yeah, no, just the one, the Mister Beefy or Mr. something. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's Lucas Strong, I believe. Let me. All right. I think his handle's Mister Beefy, though. There it is. So it's a shout out to Lucas Strong. It's it's a shout out for it's the Mr. sake. Yeah, it's Mister Beefy eighty four. Mister Beefy eighty four. Exactly right. Yep. yep. Uh, it's also a shout out as an inside joke to some other people. So uh, so we'll say. Dan and Justin and Chris and uh, and, and Paul and uh, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna run out and Frank and uh, all you folks that are out there listening to us. There's your shout out. We saved it till the very end to make sure you listen to the whole thing. But uh, also also um, evil universe Brad because he does have a beard which makes him evil. Oh okay. So. Oh I see. Oh. If Star Trek's taught us anything, I'm the good one, and he's the evil one. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, maybe, no. maybe, uh, maybe Brad Ryder can give us a shout out on his uh, Twitter because apparently, <laughs> apparently, great Sasuke. <laughs> yeah, no stuff. kidding, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Brad exposure. out there. Yeah, hook us up, with great Sasuke, so that we can get some of that, uh, some of that Omaha steak money. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> all right. So this has been. If you're feeling Chad. hungry, you can always order meals <laughs> I, off. Louis hey, hey, now com. wait a minute! Wait a minute! We don't do this for free. <laughs> this is Shad here with Matt and Brad. This has been the Four Corners Podcast. We've been three quarters. You're in the fourth. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Later, guys. After a hard day at the podcast, <laughs> I dined at Shoney's. Shoney's owned by Scott Steiner. <laughs>